You gotta give me that one. Come on. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today for the first time in quite some time is the one and only Lexa White from the Morlocks podcast. What's happening? It has been a while. Uh it's been interesting. <laughs> interesting you say. So how has it been interesting? Uh well We've had a very busy weekend. Weekend. Uh, I was not at Adepticon, but I know you were. But there were a lot of information about upcoming stuff, and I am of mixed opinion. Of mixed opinion, you say? Well, that's interesting because it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about everything that's been revealed in the last weekend and everything because, as everyone knows, and like you just said, I was at Adepticon, and mm -hmm. it was a wild ride, and I'm going to get more into how the weekend went for me and the games and you know lessons learned and all of that stuff in another podcast later this week. Merzane and I are going to do a special report, and we're going to talk about all of that stuff, but it was an incredible weekend, and... To everyone that I met that listens to this podcast, thank you so much for all your kind words. I I really, it, it meant the world to me. Like, I cannot express my gratitude with the words that I'm using right here to, to tell me how wonderful it was to just meet the people I hadn't met yet, hang out with the people I had met already, and then put names to faces. And just shake hands with everyone that said, hey, I, I listened to the show and, and everything. And that's just, it's really incredible. And I'm just, I'm humbled by that. And it was it was just a great time, good fun, great games. I got to meet Omnis finally. And then, nice. yeah, yeah, I had never met him. So I, I met him and then got to chit chat with the people from other podcast communities and all that stuff too and other creators and everything and I got to hobnob with the Wills and uh for those of you that have been here a while the Will Migos might ride again so ooh, yeah I'm excited for that potentially uh, it might be a while because they're pretty busy right now but uh I think that's gonna be pretty great and uh yeah it was just seeing all these incredible models like it, it did you see some of these models that were on display from the Worthy online? Yes. I, I have seen a couple of the pics, and there are some really impressive ones in there. Yeah, and let me tell you, the pictures do not do some of them justice. Like, there were some that were just, like, mind-blow emoji amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was such a cool experience 
And Adepticon is one of those things that in the wargaming community, it has this kind of weight to it. But it never felt like, at least within the Marvel Crisis Protocol community and the overall AMG community, I never got any kind of sense of pressure or, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I wasn't ever uncomfortable. And I mean, it's easy for me to say is, but still, I was, it, it was an interesting, interesting situation. I was, I was nervous and, and all of that stuff going into it, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. But we are here to talk about announcements. We are. So AMG did a presentation that was supposed to last 30 minutes, but ran an hour. We spoiled a lot of stuff, Shatterpoint stuff, Armada, uh, X-Wing, Legion, and of course, Marvel Crisis Protocol. And Mm -hmm. we got two reveals of Squirrel Girl and Gwenpool. So we got their cards officially spoiled, but... It's all up. Yeah. Blurry pictures and stuff. So we're operating well, off of that. <laughs> it's also there is um uh the injured sides were partially covered up. So if there were any changes on the injured side, we cannot fully know those yet. Exactly. And I think someone was saying something about Squirrel Girl and and having a change on an injured side. And we'll yes. address that when we get to it. But that, that's something that we can't confirm, unfortunately. Well, However, we can confirm there's a change. We can't confirm entirely what that change is. Exactly, exactly. But before we get into those two kind of, uh, you know, maybe we know, maybe we don't characters, let's talk about the two things that were officially spoiled with pictures from the Atomic Mass social media, and that is the cards from the Immortal Hulk box. Yeah. Um, which one do you want to start with? Well, I think we got to start with Gamma Drain. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty legit. So we've got Gamma Drain here. Yeah. It is an unaffiliated active tactics card. During the Immortal Hulk's activation, so it has to be on his turn, it may play this card. Choose an enemy character within range two. The chosen character gains a Gamma Drain token. The Immortal Hulk places this token on an active or reactive superpower of the chosen character. When a superpower marked with the Gamma Drain token is used, after the effect is resolved, the Immortal Hulk gains power equal to the power spent to use the superpower. That's a lot of text, and there's some really notable omissions in that text. But, Lexa, what in the heck is going on here? Uh, this is a really interesting way to do power econ for a Hulk. Um, you have to get within two of them once, but once you get within two of them and put the token on them, you can walk away and still get the effect of it. Um, it doesn't appear to go away when that character gets dazed. Yeah, that's the one for me. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the biggest notable omission there. So let's say you put this on somebody like a Baron Zemo and you put it on charge. Well, every time Baron Zemo charges, 
Immortal Hulk gets too power for that. And yeah. you daze Baron Zemo, it doesn't matter. He's still got the gamma drain on him. <laughs> it's just... So, this is really interestingly worded, because it gains power equal to the power spent to use the superpower, not the listed power of the superpower. Correct. Um, so if you, this is going to be a little less, a uh, little less powerful when you are facing into Steve Avengers because Steve Avengers lowers the power spent to play a superpower. Exactly. I think that's an interesting oh. point. And additionally to that, if someone has the root special condition or is maybe within a Loki bubble, that power cost goes up a little bit. So you got to pay a little more no, and get it Hulk. does not. It doesn't? Because Root, and I'm pretty sure Loki as well, is, uh, must spend one before using a superpower. It's, uh, the reason you still have to play Root or Loki tax on Thanos using gems. Oh, I see. Okay. See, I always thought it was just an extra cost, but there you go. Learn something new every day. Yep. Uh, it's not been relevant until now. Uh, it has. Again, the Thanos gems. Because Thanos... Fair, yeah. Uh, yeah, he doesn't ...gets to change the cost of gems to zero, and so those effects being bef- having to be paid before using the superpower still means that they tax Thanos. Right, right, gotcha. Um, but in that same realm, uh, it would be very interesting to put this, say, on Shuri Weevils. Definitely. Definitely. I think that this tactics card is one that has a lot of uses and you kind of have to look at it in the perspective of what character is going to be potentially doing the most work for your opponent and putting it onto a character like that that has those superpowers that are just every turn. You know what I mean? Like some someone like Beta Ray Bill has become a character I'm really enjoying and putting it on his throw would be amazing. And I also think it's an interesting bit of, you know, what you have to do as an opponent. So, like, if you're the Immortal Hulk player here, do you put the Gamma Drain token on a character before they activate, throw them away, and then let them try to get back to you just so you can keep getting the power to use that superpower? Or do you still try to just go into them even though you have that Gamma Drain token on them? Because... I think this is relevant to the discussion of how Immortal Hulk functions with his immortality token and how he really, really wants to have as much power as possible before he hits that dazed zone because that is how he gets to heal back up. Yeah. I will also note this is an interesting piece of denial in a way. By putting the Gamma Train token on a superpower, you are making the opponent have to more seriously consider when they want to activate and maybe even deny some activations of that superpower. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, that's an interesting, it's just all interesting, and I think that this is yet more along the trend of characters that come with cards that you probably want to take when you use them because when I read this card I see a card that would probably make my 10 if I'm including Immortal Hulk because we all have that 10th card 
you know, that last one, it's like, well, let me just throw a uh, fallback in there. Not that fallback's bad. Let me just throw recalibration matrix in there. Again, not that that's a bad option, which, it, spoiler alert, if you watched the Adepticon finals, you'll see why that one matters. But uh, in general, there's always that, like, 10th card, and having a gamma drain in there, whether you use it or not, I think could, could really pay some dividends, especially into, like, a big boy meta. So if you see Rhino or Malekith or the opposing Hulk on the other side of the table, okay, cool, Hulk, I'm going to put this on Gamma Leap, and now I'm going to throw you away. And that's the saddest Hulk ever. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, Malekith, I'm going to put this on Ferocity. And now every time you Ferocity, I'm getting some power back. So when you go to kill Immortal Hulk, well, guess what? He's still alive. Or, yeah. you know, just any other number of characters that have really important to their function superpowers. Mm-hmm. I think this could be really nice for... And it's it's more of a benefit to Hulk than it is a detriment to the other character. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting as well. Uh, Cosmic Portal, putting this on Cosmic Portals on Thanos. Mm-hmm. Now that, so, so that is an interesting question. What happens when Thanos flips and he no longer has the Cosmic Portal? We will have to wait till the rule forms decree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, that's, that's an interesting one there. What about putting it on one of the gems? You know, the space gem or the or reality gem or something. Uh, you don't use reality gem with power. But the space gem or the mind gem. I guess since you don't use power for those, if you're Thanos, then you wouldn't get it, right? Nope. Yeah. But if you're Loki, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I'd be putting that on I Am A God, probably. Probably. But Um, either way. Shall we go on to his other card? Yes. Let's now talk about the one below all. Why don't you read this one for us, Lexa? Um, So it's unaffiliated, active. During the Immortal Hulk's activation, it may spend two to play this card. If it has an immortality token, it removes up to two special conditions from itself. If it does not have an immortality token, it may place itself within two of its current positions. Interesting. So it's Gamma Leap if you do not have your immortality token for one less. Mm-hmm. But if you have that immortality token, taking two conditions off a of Hulk could be big. Yes. Because the one thing Hulk never wants to do is spend an action to shake. Literally mm-hmm. never. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, it, I like this card a lot, actually. Lexa. I like it. I don't think it's going to be as necessary as Gamma Drain. It's interesting because I feel like you're right. I don't think necessary, no. But if you look at... Immortal Hulk's card. He starts the, the round with three power, like all the other ones. His Gamma Leap costs three. And you could, if there was some kind of extract play you were going for, you could play one below all and get that additional movement, get one of the other hammers and maybe come back to safety a little bit, maybe. I don't know if that range works out. But being able to use this as kind of like a de facto eyes on the prize in a way. Could be interesting or just, I think this is one of those, like, if you feel like your opponent's going to be coming more to you in a game or maybe you're playing on Researcher and you want to save that power from Gamma Leap, you could play 
one below all to get up that board a little more and then have that extra power to start the train rolling of doing powerful things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think there's play here. I think it's going to take a while to discern what that is. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. So, yeah, I, I like this card too, and it's one where I would have to play with it a little bit before we, we get into it. But there's definitely there's definitely something here with this one. So Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else on these tactics cards? I think they're pretty pretty good, but just kind of standard. I would not call Gamma Drain standard. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean that to say, like, it's, it's nothing that's, like, gamed. Like, it's not robbery, right? Like, we're not robbing people. So, like, that's, that's you know. I think... I think Gamma Drain specifically is pushing the design space in a really interesting way. Yes, I agree with that. Neither of these are going to break the game, but I think Gamma Drain specifically is one of the more interesting cards they have put out in the last couple months. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a card where, like, it doesn't cost any power for Hulk to use it, Gamma Drain, that is. So I would be trying to use that as early as possible so yeah. that Hulk can get as much power value out of it as possible mm -hmm. so it's i think that the gamma drain plays if they if those are going to be like a thing <laughs> are going to be fun to see mm -hmm. so we'll see what happens now let's talk about some characters that were spoiled by amg so we can talk about them yep. and who do you want to talk about first because i know you've got one you want to go go hard on yeah, do you want do we want to start with the one I like or the one I don't like? Definitely got to start with don't like so we end on a positive note. Cool, let's go with Gwenpool then. <laughs> okay, so you know how we do it here, Lexa. It's been a while, but we we've, yes. we've got to talk about the model first. Mhm. Mm so, let's take a look at this Gwenpool model and I've just I've got to say off the rip this is pretty dope. Like it, I get yes. that it's not for everybody. The model makes me more annoyed that I don't like the character more. <laughs> oh, really? Because I love that model. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty great. And it, it really captures the character. Uh, if you've never seen Gwenpool, read any Gwenpool stuff, it just this model literally, literally is the character. And so... Gwenpool is an interesting character because more so than like Deadpool, like Deadpool knows he's in a comic, but like Gwenpool knows she's in a comic because she got like sucked into comic world or something. Like it's like a whole thing with this mm -hmm. character. And when they first showed the picture of Jeff, which is the little shark thing on the base, yeah. I was like, what in the actual? And, uh, you know, all I could think of was that scene from 21 Jump Street with Channing Tatum saying, he goes, my name is Jeff. You know, oh, I love enough. It. I love it, but yeah, I like this model a lot, and I uh, I can't can't wait to get my hands on it and keep it gray for a long time, and then one day paint it. Mm -hmm. So, Lexa, let's talk about this character card, and let's start on the top left here. So, okay. a lot of people think Gwenpool is a variant of Deadpool. Not the case. No. This is, and they also think that it's. Gwen Stacy in Deadpool getup, 
not the case. Gwendolyn Poole is her alter ego name. She has four physical defense, three energy defense, four mystic defense. She has a stamina value of six, a threat value of brace for it, four. She is size two, and she moves medium, and she very much appears to be on a 35-millimeter base, so I think that's worth mm-hmm. talking about there, but a yeah. four threat. When was the last time we had a... Okay, we had Ulick, and then the only other non-four threats we've gotten this year are Blob and Pyro? It's been four threat city lately. Mm-hmm. And now, now this is a question. We, we're going to get more into this card in a second. Do you think that that's because AMG's kind of found the secret sauce for four threats, or no. is something else? No, I think they uh, lost the recipe for four threats. <laughs> Do you feel that way specifically because of Gwenpool here? No, uh, I've I held this belief before Gwenpool with the uh uh. Um, Spider-Man, uh, Agent Venom, and uh, Beta Ray Bill releases. Um, yeah. And Gwenpool is kind of the epitome of it. But I think Four Threats were an interesting spot to do specialized characters. And now it has become the spot for some really powerful characters. Yeah, absolutely. Who are utterly boring. <laughs> utterly boring, huh? Yeah, they're very generic mishmashes of existing stuff rather than being interesting places to push interesting ideas, which is what it was for the rest of the length of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think they have cracked the formula to make a playable four, but I think they have lost what makes four special. Interesting. I I think that's an interesting take because... When we read Gwenpool's card, I think there's some things that are going to stand out to, um, let's, how would I want to say, to, to confirm your feelings there. Yeah. Because I'm, I'll, I'll mention it. But I do think it's one of those things where they could have gone more down a rabbit hole with this character, and they didn't, and I think that it's, I think it's okay but it's, uh, I think that we are definitely in a position now where the four-threat landscape in this game is just, it's bloated a little bit. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. Let's get into Gwenpool's card, yeah. and, then, and then we can, can see how we feel about it. So you start off mm-hmm. with the, the attacks. So we have uh, Stabby Thoughts, which is a range two, five dice, zero cost attack. That after this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to damage dealt. And Wild Pierce change one of the defending characters crits while the blank uh crits while the shields into a blank. And it's physical. Yep. So yeah, range two, five Solid. dice, physical attack with a pierce. We've seen that a lot. Yeah. 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 And hey, it's got a new name though. It's not strike. Nothing? Nothing. <laughs> you got to give me that one. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, I, look, it's 
five dice, five dice physical with a pierce. At least it's got the pierce, right? Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, nothing on this card is bad. Yes, I think all like mechanically, this character is good. I just find her generic. That's fair. That's fair. What's next? Gwenpool's Bag of Tricks, a range for four dice attack with a, uh, after this attack resolves, gain one power. And then uh, I think I saw it say somewhere that it was a wild hit. Maybe it's a wild wild. We can't exactly read the triggers, but it's the double trigger. Uh, Gwenpool special, after this attack is resolved, the defending character gains one of the following conditions, bleed, shock, incinerate, or poison. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So, range four, four dice gainer, as the kids say these days. Mm-hmm. And with a really interesting trigger, like having a double trigger on a four dice attack. I don't know how I feel about that. Did you? I don't think uh, you said well, physical. I might have missed it, but it's also a physical yeah. attack. So, uh-huh. Well, we have seen double triggers on four or five dice attacks before. We have. Um. The grunts have, uh, the ninja's grunt has the double wild for bleed. Right. You have the double wild on Luke Cage's builder for stagger. Yes, it's not something we haven't seen, but what I mean is, like, just on a four dice attack on a four threat character, giving a trigger that's a double trigger like this, just especially if it's a wild and a hit, just feels weird. Well, uh, as we will talk about when we go to affiliation, she might be good in. Wild hit is a easier combination to get to suddenly. Suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Modoc. Uh mm-hmm. what's what's the next one? Uh and then an energy act attack till uh this end toward toward target. A range four eight dice attack for four power. After this attack is resolved, give the incinerate and stun special conditions and on a wild scorch it us. Before damage is dealt, all other characters within two of target characters suffer one damage and gain the incinerate special condition. Okay. I mean, I like eight dice attacks, and I like the fact that it's energy. I I wish that the bag of tricks could be like a physical or energy attack on that, like being able to change that around. I like this attack. I think it's solid. It reminds me of (laughs) Mordo's Reigns of Ragador. It's a seven dice for four power attack that does incinerate and poison. So I, I... I like attacks like this. I think that this one's decent. Again, to your point, we've seen very similar things before, but I don't think we've had one that autos, incinerates, and stuns on the same attack. We we haven't had that, um, but we've had them separately um, all the time, and that path the effect around on the wild is something we've seen in a much more powerful way from Pyro. Oh, yeah, I mean... Pyro's thing is, <laughs> Pyro's probably a little overtuned uh, mm-hmm. in that regard, but yes, he he has that. But I think that it's okay that not every character that can do conditions in that way can should have that. You know what I mean? Like I think that one character having that is fine. But yes, I that that it, it is more a statement of how how tuned Pyro is that the four threats who are not as effective at doing his thing than him. But maybe that's not the thing she's supposed to be doing. Think of it like that. So uh, while I agree with you, I think that you could say, well, maybe maybe where Pyro is 
soften up the target, when pool is finish them off. And if you think about the synergy that you could potentially make with a pyro Gwen pool together, you could say, okay, pyro, I'm going to save pyro's activation. Gwen pool, I can activate her whenever. Let's say I'm able to get an incinerate on someone. Pyro can now come up, attack that character that already has the incinerate condition, and then start spreading it around. You know, so I think that yeah. there's interesting ways that you can potentially synergize there. I don't think that's the most efficient way to do it. Well, Pyro just synergizes off of himself too well. He does. Um, but having played Pyro a fair bit this weekend, if you don't roll wilds and you're relying on the spender to just get incinerates out there, it doesn't feel yeah. as good. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can definitely see that. Can confirm. Can confirm. But that's, that's I will a whole admit other thing. to having played into more Pyro than I have played myself. Yeah. And uh it's he's he's still really good. But that's that's a whole other thing. I think this attack yeah. here, I do want to talk about this attack specifically, this end towards target and her attack suite overall. Because every time I see a big attack like this, you know, eight dice, range four, so you're you're out there, and four power, I mean, you're just as likely to Days slash KO the target with that many dice as you are to even have an opportunity to throw all of these conditions out there on people. Yep. And I think that's the thing that you had to think about with spenders and stuff like that is, are the effects you're going to get worth it if you're still going to be dazing and, and potentially KOing? And then this one I think is interesting. So look at the way this reads. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate and stun special conditions. On that wild, though, the scorched earth, it's before damage is dealt. Mm -hmm. All other characters within two of the target characters suffer one damage and gain the incinerate special condition. So let's say I'm attacking a pyro, as an example, and mm -hmm. I end up doing enough damage to KO him. Well, then the stun and incinerate on him are irrelevant, but his mm -hmm. buddies are still going to get the incinerate special condition. I do like that, even though that's a bit weird how both things are happening at different timing steps. Yeah. So, even though we've seen variations on these attacks throughout mm -hmm. the game, I think it also, if they'd have gone too zany on some of this stuff it could have it could have maybe i don't know it could have overcomplicated things and when you're trying to make something i think i don't this is all total i don't know about intent or anything like that but i think like when i look at something like these attacks we've seen that and there's plenty of other characters out there that could have had different varieties of attacks mm -hmm. but the superpowers is where things should start to differentiate themselves with it with yes. characters. Mm -hmm. But as an attack suite, I think this is fine. Like if I was yeah. on Discord right now, I'd make it italics fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what do you what do you think about the attack pool for Mrs. Pool? I I think it again, I think it's fine. Um I think it's a solid like like competitively it's a solid attack suite um doesn't light my brain on fire you know yeah 
I think that's a good thing, believe me. <laughs> I like it when my brain gets lit on fire because it means that, like, I am thinking about this character and what I want to do with them. It isn't, it, it's a good thing. It's like, I had this with New Modoc and seeing his, his leadership. I'm like, oh, that works with so many interesting people in so many interesting ways. And I love that feeling. Nothing in here is evoking that feeling. That's fair. That that's that's really fair. See, I'm I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum in that I don't need the overwhelming uh, overwhelming's not the right word, but I I don't I don't need to have to think too much with my attacks sometimes mm-hmm. and I think that characters that can strike that balance of mm-hmm. not being able to overthink it because of that I will mm-hmm. <laughs> I will Lexa I will I will make sure to overthink things given the opportunity. Yeah. So I, I'm glad I don't have to do that with this character. Let's move on to those superpowers. Let's do it. All right. So the first one here, we have an active superpower. So it has to be played on Gwenpool's turn. Travel mm-hmm. through gutter space. It's going to cost you two power. If this character is not holding an objective token, Place it within range three of its current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Thank you for giving her out of action movement. I love this. Yes, we've seen this before. I hate that it has the not holding an objective token language, but at the same time, nobody wants to go chase people down that can place themselves range three. It's the world we live in right now. But I love this. I love this superpower. Mm-hmm. What do you I, I I hear in your mm-hmm that you don't like it so much. Uh, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I think this is very good. She has the right combination of things to be able to attack the midline and then get on a midline secure turn one, which is something that I always think that I I like in a character. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just seen a lot. Of of out-of-action movement recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Beta Ray Bill is over here like, I can only come towards you when I get attacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it's, it's one of those things, like you mentioned the attacking the midline. So that's the part of this I think that's really cool is Gwen can then move off the deployment line be within range four of the midline, blast someone with the bag of tricks, gain a power, and then place herself within range three. And if you set that up right, like you said, you're scoring mm-hmm. a secure, and maybe even you're on the midline too if you need to be there for researcher or something like that. Yep. I, I like that kind of stuff. Yep. There's a lot of characters who can do it. Um, and there there's kind of an archetype of just trying to do that Yeah. at this point. And I think it helps with the, like, brawly nature that we've mm-hmm. moved towards with this game. And it's kind of like, you know, the uh, amount of dice that you can throw at your opponent is really starting to add up and matter more. And even if it's just a four-dice attack, the weight of that many dice can have an effect over time. Oh, yes. So next superpower we have here is a reactive superpower. Mm-hmm. retcon powers activate as a power cost of x so 
you can, you know, it, it scales and stuff like that. Now with mm-hmm. that, like we talked about before, the root special condition or Loki, you'd have to spend the one before you do it and then spend all the extra ones that you want to yep. do. So keep that in mind. And this is one where if this is Gamma Drain is placed on this one, well, Hulk's going to get a ton of power. While mm-hmm. this character is attacking or defending during the modified dice step of the attack, it may spend up to three power to use this superpower. For each one power spent, this character may re-roll one of its attack or defense dice. The superpower may be used only once per turn. So mm-hmm. up to three power spent. We've seen this before on other characters, but it yep. makes so much sense on this character. Mm-hmm. So I really like the superpower too, and I like that it's attacking or defending here and not just one or the other. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, do you have anything to say about this one? I, I think it's solid. Um, it's, yeah, it's solid. Everything on this card is solid. I don't think anything is amazing or game-breaking. It's just all solid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. And I think, that's, I think that's okay. I don't know. The, the next superpower we have here is an innate superpower. Plot mm-hmm. armor. When this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount of damage suffered by one to a minimum of one so we have a tanky girl here yes mm-hmm. i'm here for it mm-hmm. i'm i'm super here for it and we do know based on the picture from the the event that she has six and six stamina healthy mm-hmm. and injured she's she's gonna take some some punch to put down probably but there's a lot more punch going around. There is. But I don't think... One of the things that I think that she's going to bring to a squad is a tanky person that might not have the, the coolest attacks, might not have the coolest of superpowers, but is going to just be enough of a menace and a hard enough to mm-hmm. deal with that, like, okay, cool. You've, you've done a bunch of damage. You're You're... You're activated and you've done all your stuff. Well, now Gwen can go and do her stuff. Or you can say, all right, I'm going to activate Gwen early. She's going to place over here, take a couple swipes, do some stuff, and now you've got to try to to take her out and and just good luck kind of a thing. Like, I, yeah. it's it's one of those things where we've, we've seen a lot of damage reduction lately. We've seen a lot of out-of-action movement lately. But I think it makes sense in the the context of the characters and Gwenpool is one where I think as I take a step back and I read this card and I had time to mull it over on my eight and a half hour drive home from Adepticon and it's while they could have given us brand new rules, brand Mm -hmm. new, new things with this character, like this character could have run the gamut from two threat all the way to a seven threat based yeah. on comic book performance. Mm-hmm. I feel like putting Gwenpool right in the middle here like they have done and giving us mm-hmm. a 
quote unquote generic level of attacks and superpowers that we've seen before, I think it's okay because it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense to me. It makes sense from a gameplay perspective. Mm-hmm. And like you said, everything is solid. It would have been cool to have like one superpower that's just off the wall bonkers, like some new thing. Mm-hmm. But also whenever you start to introduce new things, that gets hard to balance. So I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I like this character. I don't think yeah. she's insane. I don't think she's terrible. I, I like her. And here, here's the question, Lexa, that I got to ask for you. Mm-hmm. When you read Gwenpool's card and, and we see, if we see the, the injured side and something major changes, we'll, we'll say that it appears that that will not be the case for this character. Mm-hmm. But if you see a Gwenpool here, who would you rather take over a Gwenpool in like a four threat, tanky, mobile character? It depends on whale. Exactly. It, it really does. Uh-huh. Because I think we have a fair number of options. Like, there are some, like, Emma is way more mobile than you think she is, and she's way tankier than she, you think she is. Logan is a weird type of of tanky and can be kind of mobile. Going back to Mr. Sinister, he is way tankier than you expect him to be. Um, and while he doesn't reposition himself, he can reposition other people, which is sometimes even more powerful. Oh, it certainly is. Uh, anytime you can affect the board state with position, it's huge, especially after your opponent's already activated that character. Yes. Um, my view of this is that we have reached a point in this game where if you took away the rules from this character, uh, not the rules, the name, and just left the rules, I could not tell you who this ca- what character was supposed to be. And I find that a failure of design in a way. Okay, yeah, I think that is a very fair criticism there. If you, if you just put strike... Uh, shot and then whatever you want to call the spender and then just you know any generic thing for the names of these superpowers and attacks took the took the Gwenpool out of it mm-hmm. yeah I mean she she is like enough other characters yeah. out there so it's it's I don't think she is a bad character I just don't think she works as because Gwenpool is one of the more interesting characters in the comic books and to have sanded down such an interesting character to someone who I could easily mistake for any other character in the Marvel canon feels like a design problem. That's fair. It's interesting. I don't know if that feels like a design problem so much as uh, it could have been uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. it's And this may just be me and the designers of this game having a disagreement on fundamental design principles. Well, uh, yeah, it could be that. And uh, when I when I think about things of, like, saying, okay, let's, let's strip away the flavor and who is this character, I mean, 
I think there's plenty of characters that we could do that with where if we strip away the bits of flavor that are sprinkled on a card, you could say, who is this right now? Mm-hmm. There, there's enough characters that we have access to at this point where you could do that with. And I think that yeah. that I think is part of what makes Marvel Crisis Protocol special in a way is because you and I have been in this game for a long time at this point. Yes. Uh-huh. We've been in this game for a long time. So we come at it from a different perspective. But you know what? There's going to be someone out there that goes and grabs a core box and Gwenpool and Squirrel Girl when they drop and is going to be like, yes, this is cool. Because they mm-hmm. might not know what other stuff does. And then as they grow into this hobby, as they grow into their Marvel Crisis Protocol fandom, as we have, they might say, oh, man, well, Agent Venom has a range two place. Agent Venom has a range four shot. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, they, they might yeah. say, well, those two things are the same as Gwenpool instead of Gwenpool's the same as that. And, yeah. and I think that's what makes this situation interesting. While I don't disagree with you, that it's a bit of a missed opportunity not to go off the rails zany. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think that this is another bit of an interesting discussion. We've seen the competitive landscape growing. We've mm-hmm. seen AMG supporting that more. So they also have to make sure that they have a character that they don't have to emergency fix like they did with Malekith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, falling back is a wrong way to say it, but, but hearkening back, you know, maybe taking a look back at things that have already worked when you have a new character is something that can be interesting. I think it's, and, and so that's, that's kind of my two cents on this is like, yeah, someone out there, this is going to be their first expansion that they get for Mm -hmm. Marvel crisis protocol. And that I think is going to make it less impactful of a, this, this is, generic feeling than someone like you and me buying it yes i 100 percent agree with you all of my issues with this card come from me being a designer in my spare time and looking at this and going like nah not that i think it is a poorly balanced poorly done card yeah and and yeah i i, I do i don't get the sense that you think it's unbalanced or or like below or above or anything like that mm-hmm. Interestingly, I think this character, when you combine the plot armor, when you combine the placement, when you combine the re-rolls, this character's probably actually pretty good. Well, I I think she is going to be much more mediocre than I think you do. Yeah, because I see these things, and for me, it's especially when in the right place. So mm-hmm. let's talk about affiliations because we, we've talked a lot about how this character is going to play on the tabletop and like, you know, it's going to be, I think, very mobile. I think going to be pretty tanky. It could potentially get some damage. Physical attacks are kind of, they're not bad. Like having physical attacks mm-hmm. is not a bad thing, but it's also the most heavily defensive ability yeah. in the game. So deal with that, you know? Mm-hmm. But I... 
I want to bring up a quick comparison, though. Let's hear to it. To a kind of mediocre model that I see a lot of parallels with Gwenpool with. Um, and that is Steve Rogers' Captain America. Ah. Four threat with six health on their front side with a four, uh, a two fours and a three on defensive. And then the superpower suite is movement, rerolls, defensive tech. Yeah. And I, I do think these two things are not the same, though. They are, they are not the same, but they are similar enough that I think they will have similar issues. They, they will end up in a similar realm, which is solid but not amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, see, and this is, this is what's fun about like talking about this stuff because you and I are having this conversation. Someone out there is probably having this same conversation. And I read Steve's card and I read Gwenpool's card and not that I am some competitive master or anything like that. Cause I sure am not. I play this game to have fun, which is what I did this weekend. It was a blast. And mm -hmm. I, I will say though, competitively, when is better? Period. When is better? And when you I, when you look I at Steve's know. card, I I can tell you it is. So I'll so tell you it's, I'll, I'll it's tell you why. The big... I'll tell you why. I think this anyway. All right. Mm -hmm. So Steve, he has access to a flurry. His his flurry is inherently going to limit his damage output because it requires a shield. Right. His re rolls are only for attacking. And, mm -hmm. it, and he has to spend three, whereas Gwen can spend any amount up to three. And it's attacking or defending, right? Gwen has access to a gainer so she can get power easily, whereas Steve does not. Steve's defensive tech is adding dice, which is always better than re-rolls. You know what's better than adding dice? Automatically canceling a success, which is damage reduction. Mm -hmm. On the other hand... Uh, Captain America, unlike uh, Gwenpool, has the ability to do action compression um, on attacks. That Floyd, while it does limit the damage in an individual roll, you have to remember it doubles the dice amounts that you roll. Oh, yeah. Also, he has the ability to throw, which is something she doesn't have. And I think the place that that three is at is important. Um, I think energy with the prominence of Guardians in the competitive metagame is a much more vulnerable stat than Mystic. Now, I'm with you there. I think that the three is definitely vulnerable and where mm -hmm. you're going to be wanting to use that reroll more often. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there that the so three is important. <laughs> I think people underestimate Captain America on a competitive sense, and I think people are overestimating Gwenpool in a competitive sense, and I think they are going to end up... I think Gwenpool may be a little bit ahead of Cap, but I think they're going to end up right in the same tier, rather yeah. than being a stark tier difference between each other. I think that's fair. I think same tier is, is fair, and I do want to also clarify, I don't think Cap's bad at all, and I do agree with you. I think people are sleeping on Captain oh, Steve. Yeah because I think he's actually a pretty good character. But mm -hmm. uh, it's, that's, that's a discussion for another time. Where does Gwenpool 
slot in for you, Lexa? Um, so the first place I think of is Shadowlands Daredevil. Absolutely. Um, I've been playing a Shadowlands Daredevil build that is Shadowlands, Craven, uh, Rhino, people who can all make one move, make a midline attack, and then get on to a point afterwards. And she plays right into that strategy. Yeah. No, I really like that a lot. I, I think that's a good one. I'm going to go back to some of my old days here. Web Warriors, sign me up. Mm -hmm. I love it. Now, this is an interesting one when I say Web Warriors because the Miles reroll, being able to reroll skulls, you have to be holding or contesting an objective. If she wants to travel through gutter space, she cannot be holding an objective to do that. She has to just be contesting. But I think she's going to be playing into that secure game that they like and using other characters to focus on the extracts and stuff like that, I think is going to be her game, so to speak. So yeah, I, I like that aspect of it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You got anywhere else? Um, she is just so generic that I'm like, she's <laughs> good everywhere. I yeah. don't see, there are very few places where I see specific synergies that jump out to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually with you on that. I think that she is one of these characters that you're going to have a, a decent time putting on the tabletop regardless of where that is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, have at it. Have fun. That's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. So anything else on Gwenpool before we turn it over to a positive note? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't really have anything else to say. Let's let's talk about a character I'm very interested in design-wise. <laughs> let's do it. All right. So, again, we got to take a look at this model first. And, I mean, this is this is Squirrel Girl. Like, they, they yeah. literally were like, okay, cool. What's that comic book uh, that she has? Okay, great. Let's just copy that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh -huh. it's, it's awesome. Now, here's a question. Uh, do, you, do you paint regularly, Lexa? No, I am the Grey Legion. Hey, me, me too. So there you go. So if I were to paint this, though, I would probably do the little, like, classic squirrel girl with, like, the little dots around her eyes or whatever it is, you know? Like, it, just mm -hmm. Google squirrel girl, and there's going to be two images. The one that looks like this model and, like, the very classic squirrel girl model. that where Or not model, but... It's where you can tell the difference. There's one that was like drawn by like Jack Kirby or something, and then there's this one. And mm -hmm. like the OG one has like little like little black dots like uh, near the eyes. It, that, I would do yeah. that if I was a competent painter. But we anyways. all have our dream jobs of if we were competent painters. I still want to turn my rogue into trashy goth girl rogue from X Men Evolution. There you go. There you go. So. I, I like this model a lot, and I think it's super chill, and it looks like it's on a 35-millimeter base. Yeah. So we got that. All right. Squirrel Girl, and she's probably unbeatable, but mm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she is Doreen Green. She has a physical defense of three, an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of three. She has six stamina, threat value of four. She is size two. And she moves medium. So, Lexa, another four threat. Yes. And I think this is another one that, based on comic book performance, could have been a wild spectrum of threat values. Yes. So, um, yeah. 
this one I think is actually doing some stuff with the fact that they're in that fourth wet slot. Yeah. Um, but that will come in the superpowers. First, we have the attacks. Let's hear it. Knuckle something something. I think it's I... Knuckle Spike Strike. Okay. Knuckle Spike Strike. We're pretty sure it's blurry. Uh, is a range three, five dice uh, physical attack for zero cost that gains power equal to damage dealt and on a wild has ambush after this attack is resolved to place this character within one of the target character. That is not a may. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, what Beast does. It's the same, yes. same thing he does. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's... Beast's attack is very interesting, and I think this one is also very interesting in the same respect, that them not being maze. Uh, but overall, I think it's, it's a solid ability. It is. And it's, it's a, an attack that we've seen many times. Range three, five dice. The fact that you have to place can sometimes mess you up, but just, you just got to have a little bit of pre-planning and understand that like, okay, I, I really don't want a wild here, but have an idea of what you're going to do if you do get that. Yeah. And then her other attack is Army of Squirrels, a range four six dice physical attack for two power. If this attack deals damage after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed and stun special conditions. And then wild push before damage is dealt. If the target character is size three or less, you push them short. Uh, short. I love that. And from what I can tell, that is an omnidirectional push. Uh, yeah, no, there is, it looks like there is no direction on this push. So mm -hmm. I love it. And this is a basically a two-cost push. You have to roll a wild. But I also like the fact that the how cheap this is, the range with which you get to use it, and I think the effects make a lot of sense. So yeah. We know the math on getting that push is going to be about 60% with the having to roll a wild on six dice. So you can't rely on it, but I think it's really good. The fun part about this one is, I think, the being able to bleed and stun a character from that far away, Yeah, I think is really nice. It takes damage, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know. No, it does not. It's if this oh, no, attack. Oh no, you are right. Yeah, yeah. If this attack deals damage. I was reading that as a trigger window. Ah, Roger that. Well, blurry images. Blurry do not images, help people. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. So yeah, I, uh, I I think these two attacks are pretty solid. Yeah. No complaints. Now uh, I'm leaving you the paragraph of text. Yeah. So. Suits, I've, I've got to warn you, okay? There are two superpowers on this card that are literally a wall of text. It is so much text. Mm -hmm. Like, probably more than voodoo text. So, But a lot of that text is going to be a repeat. Exactly. This is... One of those things where they have to put so much text for rules purposes. I'm going to read it, and then we can go through and talk about what each 
thing means mm-hmm. and stuff like that, okay? So yep. we have an active superpower called Tippy Toe Takedown. That's the name of her little squirrel friend, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's got a power cost of X. So we've got another one of these. This character may spend any amount of power to use this superpower. Choose an enemy character within range three of this character with a threat value equal to or lower than the amount of power spent to use this superpower. Move the tippy-toe token to that character. While that character has the tippy-toe token, it does not add critical results in its attack, defense, or dodge rolls to its total successes and cannot add dice to its attack, defense, or dodge rolls as a result of critical results. So, Mm -hmm. all of that to say, you're basically going to do the same thing that Voodoo does with Brother Daniel and possess a target. You spend power equal to their threat value. So, let's use Pyro as an example because he's just on my mind right now. Yep. I I see Pyro. I'm going to go over and I'm going to spend three power and I'm going to put my tippy-toe token on him and now Pyro gets like super hexed. It's not just hex, it's super hex because not only does he not get to explode criticals, criticals do not count as successes. Yep. Uh, you want to know who this really screws over? Well, Malekith would be one, but that's a lot of power. Uh, for a much more reasonable amount of power, Domino. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. That'd be horrible. <laughs> and, like, in the late game, absolutely put this on a Malekith for seven power. Oh, yeah. No, it's, like, if you're dazed and you wake up and you've got enough power, just, boop, have it, enjoy, and then just run away so Malekith can't get it, <laughs> can't kill you to get it off of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Oh, man, that'd be the saddest thing ever but i'm super here for it look Mm -hmm. this is one of those superpowers where like with voodoo it's really powerful to possess lower threat models to keep them from interacting with the game state in Mm -hmm. this one i feel like saving that power banking as much power as you can to throw this on a four five six seven threat character is going to be huge yeah like it i really think this is going to matter for the higher threat things, but it, but you've got to get that power. And mm-hmm. that's going to be the hard part with her. Yeah. So, I'm going to skip the next reactive superpower. I'm going to come back to it, because a lot of you are probably asking, it's like, what's this tippy-toe token thing you're talking about? So I'm going to go down to Squirrel S. It is mm-hmm. an innate superpower, so she always has this superpower. This character begins the game with a tippy-toe token. So again, think Brother Mm -hmm. Daniel. While this character has the tippy-toe token, it may re-roll up to two dice when making an attack, defense, or dodge roll. During Mm -hmm. the power phase, you may move the token from anywhere to this character. Whenever a character is dazed or KO'd, while it has the tippy-toe token, move the tippy-toe token to this character. There's a lot of like, T's alliteration here. Yeah. This character cannot have a tippy-toe token except the one it begins the game with. When this character is removed from the battlefield, remove its tippy-toe token from the game. Additionally, 
when this character is dazed, move the tippy toe token to this character from anywhere. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, I'm hoping this signals that it's going to that they're going to go back and and do this to Voodoo as well. Yeah, I, I, it could. I don't, you know, we don't know obviously, but I think that this is we one of those know. things where the playtesters were like, "Dude, Voodoo needs this, so why don't we put it on this one too?" And, yeah, and it's interesting because these two characters are different, and yeah. and they function differently, and I I could see thematically not having it come back to her but my god <laughs> you would have talked about just nerfing a character Wh- whoever tippy toe is on just is hit with a nerf bat you know mm-hmm. and yeah, i think voodoo and squirrel are leveraging the same mechanics but doing so on different axes which makes them feel very different oh absolutely you are absolutely right. They are both leveraging that same thing, but very differently. But I think this is interesting, too. Instead of adding dice to defense like Voodoo does, Squirrel Girl gets re-rolls. But she yes. also gets re-rolls on attacks. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned before, I still think she's going to have a mildly difficult time building a big bank of power. However, I think she's got enough tools while she has her tippy toe token to gain power successfully Mm -hmm. so i really like that a lot i think that she'll be able to by turn two if things go well you could potentially have five power on her if you didn't spend Mm -hmm. any on round one to hit a thor with this or yeah or an ulic or or insert other five threat menace or rhino yeah. you know anybody that you can that does some good good damage and really relies on those spike rolls you hit them with this like I, here's one i'm thinking about now now hear me out on this one like i said which i think this is just the meanest way to do this but i want to super want to do it mm-hmm. and let's put it on iron man if they have a helios because then helios wouldn't get crits yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of using this on Reality Corvus. I mean, that too. L- literally anybody that needs their crits to function. Yeah. And let's, let's not forget that, well, this is probably a question that would be for the rules forum. I'd really like to know. So what if there is something that requires a crit trigger? So like Emma requires crit triggers. Yeah. Does Tippy Toe... Takedown and and Emma having that tippy toe token. Does that uh, prevent those triggers from happening? I would say no, because it just says that it uh does not uh does not add crits to uh add successes. But as we know, you don't uh from things like shield triggers for flurry, you don't have to count as a success to still match the icon. To, get, uh, to activate an effect. Correct. I'm just very curious if if that is how that works. Oh, gosh, that is some shutdown. I'd, I'd like to know. Yeah, so we'll, we'll mm-hmm. find out when the rules forums happen. So we do have another superpower here. 
It is a reactive superpower. Tippy, come back. It'll cost you zero power. Zero power. When this character is targeted by an attack, it may use this superpower. Move the Tippy Toe token to this character from anywhere. Mm-hmm. For free, you just get to be like, come on, Tippy, let me get them re-rolls. And then, of course, she has Wall Crawler because she's a squirrel. So, um, and then we know she has another superpower on her backside that is different, but we cannot read it all, so we are just going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, she also loses a stamina value on her injured side as well. So, yeah, there, there's an innate superpower that she gains on her injured side. And I just, just want to read the first line of it as a little bit of a teaser because I think it's very interesting. When this character would be KO'd by an enemy effect. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So she has five health as a, on her injured side, but it looks like she's got some way to save herself, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So, Lexa, this is a lot of, a lot of text on this card. It all makes sense, I think, in the context of the game, but if this is your first character... It's going to be overwhelming, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing here on Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Where do you want to put her? Web Warriors is definitely a spot that she would slot in very nicely, I think. I mean, again, being able to have an objective token, gain access to re-rolls, and now you can re-roll skulls with her if she has Tippy, I think is great. And then Web Warriors also... Slowing down your opponent's DPS is yeah. great for them mm-hmm. specifically. But the thing about Web Warriors and it really any team, she's a four-threat character. So she's going to be hard to splash when you have other characters that you want taking up that slot. Like, uh, as an example, I also think she could fit into Convocation for the same reasons of, all right, I need to not die when I don't have my books up. So who's the most threatening character to me right now? And I can throw tippy toe on them and say, all right, you don't get crits now. And then when I'm attacking you, you also don't get them. So maybe I can get into you a little bit and help my own damage output. Mm -hmm. But I see squirrel girl and then I see beta Ray bill sitting there. Right. And beta Ray bill paid dividends for me this weekend in a couple of matches. So finding what works for you and how you want to play that game, it's kind of a try to lean on the survival or do you try to lean on a more control element of things? And not that she doesn't have access to some control with her army of squirrels on a wild push, mm-hmm. but it's it's just, I think she's a really interesting character that you're going to yeah. be able to slot into a lot of places, but you're going to have to, Think about your play style when you do that. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out her in New Doc. Yes. Um, because it does... Uh, oh, I'm going to double-check Modoc so I don't accidentally mess something up here. Um, but it's... Uh, it does not specify that you have to change a non-wild into a hit or a block. So if you really need to on your ambush attacks, you can always change your wild trigger that you got the ambush off of 
into a hit before the ambush effect goes into place. Oh yeah. To stay in your spot. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's a that's a really interesting little bit of synergy there. I think that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and also it when you don't mind having that wild trigger in there, um, it's going to give you so much it's going to ramp your the damage effectiveness of Squirgle, while also Squirgle is lowering the damage effectiveness of the opposing team. Yeah, I, that that's an interesting take on it. I think forcing movement when you don't want it is really tough. So having the new doc there, I think, let's say you're range three of someone like a Bucky, and you know Bucky can just pop off sometimes. So throwing that tippy toe on a Bucky could be huge. Now you're standing right next to him, you're beating him up a little bit. I, I, I think that could be an interesting, interesting option. And really the thing about the placement and the ambush and all that stuff, it just, it matters more for your objective play, I think. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. You're on the researcher. If you didn't body block right, well, now I can get to that researcher potentially easier without having to yeah. spend a bunch of movement to do it, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. And if you think uh, of ambush as out of action movement, it can potentially get you places you didn't expect to be. Um, it is specifically in action movement, <laughs> right? Because it is a, a movement that ta- takes up an action as part of its cost. That's yeah. There you go. There you go. Um. I- also, um, in a Somewhat similar way, um, look at her in most aggressive factions um, as as the tool to bring in in um, aggressive via, uh, uh, aggro v aggro matches. Why is that? Is that to slow down the aggro of the other aggro? Yeah, basically. Um, you need some way to push your aggro you need some way to either level the playing field or make an advantage, depending on where your initial setting is. Yeah. Um, and this is a way to do that. It lowers your opponent's aggro while also making them more vulnerable to your aggro. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a very interesting way to look at it. And, and that's, I mean, you're right. You're right on that. Like, any time that you can press an advantage that you have, I see Squirrel Girl as like the the it's it's really interesting to when I say this because it's gonna sound like a knock and I don't mean it that way. But like in my roster right now, my convocation roster, she'd be like my tenth character. You know what I mean? Like she'd mm-hmm. be like the tech piece of like, okay, cool, I'm going into Brotherhood or I'm going into a a Malekith squad or a Black Order squad or insert whatever thing that I feel like is a bad damaging matchup for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, even Guardians and being able to tippy-toe onto Rocket could be huge. Yeah. So, and and especially if you're able to do that early, so that mm-hmm. now whenever he plays Deadly Duo, it's just like just naked dice and yeah. even like not even good naked dice potentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could be really great. So anytime that I see that, like, but I think that she is really techy in that yeah. way. 
and you have to, you know, take a chance on that turn zero of like, okay, cool, my opponent's 10 models are here. What do I think they're going to do with these 10 models? And what do I need to do as a response? Like, I think she is the, the answer to the question more so than the question herself. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is, I enjoy the characters that are very interesting techie pieces. And this is probably a byproduct of my show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because my show, you want to be able to build around a piece. Yeah, I and think... so a piece needs to have an identity to build around. Absolutely. And I think that uh, Squirrel Girl definitely has an identity to build around. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I would hate to play Sentinels into her. Full disclosure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sad. Sad Sentinels, very sad. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think she's really interesting. And in terms of where she slots in, I think it's, like I said, like pretty much anywhere that you, you need to slow people down with their output. But I also think like Avengers, unless she's affiliated, doesn't really matter. I think Sam, you could put her in Sam and feel pretty good about it. Yep. Uh, you know, X-Men probably sounds fun. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a lot of, a lot of interesting things. So, Lexa, anything else on Squirrel Girl before we come to a screeching halt here? We're not going to talk about all the other teasers? Oh, that's right. We are. I was just kidding. Uh, keeping you on your toes. <laughs> yes. Keeping me on my tippy toes, as it were. Yes. No, I, I think I've, I think that is what I wanted to say about Squirrel I think she's a very interesting piece that I'm going to have a lot of fun with on the table. Trying yeah. to, like, unlock. Yes. I think that that's really going to be a key thing for for Squirrel Girl more so than Gwenpool. Like, we kind of know what Gwenpool's going to do. We've seen it enough. But Squirrel Girl's going to take some time for, like, where she fits best. Mm-hmm. And, and how to get the most out of her. Because without Tippy Toe, 333 is not the strongest defense stat. Yeah. So when she has her Tippy Toe, she's able to get those defensive abilities off. But then being able to recall Tippy Toe for free is, I mean, that's, that helps her right there. But you just have to make sure you're doing that at a time when it makes sense. And yeah, I think it's just really interesting. Really, mm-hmm. really interesting. So let's talk about some of these reveals. And I'm just going to go in the order that they were revealed because I got pictures of all of them. Cool. Um, I have. I was a little annoyed at this when they first got shown off, but re-watching the stream, I've kind of cooled on it. Because um, we will see a lot of st- a, a chunk of stuff for a faction that just got a bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but then I heard them mention that this is stuff for next year. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, in general, this is just a bunch of marquee characters. I think there's one and a half obscure picks in here. One and, and I live half. for the obscure picks in this game. Yeah, definitely. So, if these are like the marquee picks and we have some other interesting stuff around them, cool. I'm happy with this. If this is the majority of what we're getting for the year, then I'm going to be a little annoyed. Oh, I mean, they didn't show off enough to, to make me think this is an entire year's worth of content. Me too. So the first thing they showed was a brand new Ultron sculpt with a cape. Yes. 
Yes, it looks amazing. And he comes with drones. So yes. we have no idea how he's going to function, but this leads me to believe that we're getting grunts. And yeah, I'd, I am on record, Lexa, as not loving the grunt mechanic. And maybe, maybe we will finally have a grunt mechanic worth enjoying. My humble opinion. Don't mind. Uh, I don't mind the grunt mechanic. The more that I play with it, the less I mind it. Yeah. I've, I've played with the phases. I'm not going down that rabbit hole right now. It's just not yeah. my favorite thing in the game. And, mm -hmm. and I hope that this changes my mind. Very fair. Next up, we've got the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, I know some Ghost Rider fans out there are like, why aren't we getting Dan Ketch? And I'm like, but because we're getting Frank Castle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, this is going to be awesome. And it very much looks like he's still on a 65 millimeter base, but I love how mm -hmm. they, like, obscured the base just enough. Yeah. So you can't really um, tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hear more Ghost Rider fans going, where's Robbie Reyes? Yeah, that too. That too. Uh, but yeah, no, I... So, it's... Uh, there's a segment on my show that each week I have a guest, a new guest on, and I go, hey, what character not in Marvel Crisis Protocol do you want to see on Marvel Crisis Protocol? Everybody but one character in this entire release has been said. Nice. Nice. I love it. So the next two characters that we're getting here are M'Baku and Claw. And if you've only ever watched the movies, this is not your Claw. <laughs> this, is, this is Claw as he is in the comics. And I just want to, when you look at this sculpt, realize this is a being of pure sound. And yeah. they have captured that in this miniature nearly better than any other miniature in the game in terms of what this character is. Now, I know this miniature is not going to be for everybody, but personally, I uh, love it. Yeah. Like, this, this might be, y'all, my favorite miniature in the game now. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Green Goblin has been my favorite for a long time, and there's been some that have edged close to that. But when I get my hands on this model and get to look at it better, I, I, mm, y'all, this model is awesome. And if you want to see a picture of it, check the social media for House Party Protocol because it'll be up there. But like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. And I, I, and again, I know that there are people that will not like this model, and that's okay. Because I definitely, you know, the idea of just what he looks like, he's kind of, there's not like a full person body thing to mm -hmm. do things with. I get that. But man, that is a dynamic sculpt. But I don't uh, want My new favorite model is going to come up later in the cast. Well, there you go. I also want to don't, not gloss over M'Baku because they mm -hmm. really captured a great character here in M'Baku oh, yeah. that I think does a great job and really feels very comic book while also matching kind of what you expect from the movie accurate. Yep. Yeah. So then we've got some new Wakanda terrain coming. And fun thing, Schick mentioned that there might be rules around this terrain. 
and yeah. affecting the battlefield. Now, I'm interested to see how that functions. Mm-hmm. But the terrain looks cool. And he did mention that also that it's... Uh, can uh it may affect threat value right right so that's gonna be wild and then next up we have got a new rivals pack and they said something that i found insightful in this one they're gonna be doing one rivals pack a year basically is what what it sounded like Mm -hmm. and we've got a new one in a black panther versus killmonger at warrior falls Mm-hmm. And fully painted, this looks insane. Yeah. It looks amazing. And I love that they're getting more dynamic with the bases now, too. Like, that's a small thing. But these models yeah. look great. I can't wait to see what they do on the tabletop because we haven't had anything new from Wakanda in a long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so we're getting M'Baku and these two guys and, you know, it's different versions of these characters. So I think we might might have a Weapon X situation on our hands where it's going to be a $100 box and it comes with new characters. So you got to kind of, you know, swallow that pill, if you will. But it looks mm-hmm. amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, next up, we have two characters that they revealed Nightcrawler and Bishop. Yes. Which I'm super here for both of these as a fan of X-Men back in the day. And I got a shout out to AMG sculptors on Bishop giving me two head options, but it's the Jerry curl option. I mean, it's the Jerry curl, but they have two (laughs) heads. So, you know, but it's the Jerry curl. Mm -hmm. And then also with Nightcrawler giving me a swashbuckling Nightcrawler option. Yes. Papa Nightcrawler. Exactly. Exactly. I love it so much. I'm super here for it. And when we look at these two characters in the side-by-side comparison, looks like Bishop's on a 50 mil base, y'all. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Could be scaling. Could be scaling. But I'm just, I'm, I'm calling it right here. There you go. It's done. Uh <laughs> Next up, and I think this is the one that you're excited for, Alexa. No. No. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got Kitty Pride or mm-hmm. Shadow Cat and Iceman. Yes. So uh, I I am excited for Kitty Pride. Yes. Yeah. Uh but also they went with very They didn't go with any of her terrible outfits, but they didn't go with any of her great outfits either. Very fair. Very fair. She's uh, had some good ones. At least it wasn't the goddamn puffy sleeves. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like X-Men suit costume. Like, it's it's definitely not the best one she's ever had. But I'm just glad that Lockheed's here. Yes. Like, that that that's good enough for me. Yeah. So. But it's, then, it's, she has gotten so many better outfits in the last decade and a half. Well, hey, that just means that is, they can get another version later. Yes. Please give me Pirate Captain Kitty Pride. By God. Oh, that'd be amazing. Someone out there is going to sculpt that. And when you do, mm-hmm. I'm going to just more power to you. <laughs> and then we have uh, uh, Professional Casual Zone Dan's pick 
for a character he's been wanting for a long time. And I think you can specifically hear him in the replay of the show shouting out when they show this one off. But Iceman. Yes. And he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. He looks amazing. And again, another one where it appears he's on a bigger base. Yes. So I love that. Then the next one we've got now, these they don't have color pictures of. Yeah. But these next two, they have just the kind of digital sculpting thing for. Mm -hmm. Shadow King. This is the one I, I'm like, ooh, this, mo this sculpt is amazing. This sculpt is dope. <laughs> like, uh -huh. it is. And this is the one pull that I did not hear people talk about. Uh, bring up uh, why, why is that? before reveal day today so oh, that well, yeah great pull yes this is this is a deep cut in a way but also like a really like this is shadow king is legit he's he's legit yeah. so like he, he was an important character in some important storylines but he hasn't been used to death like some other characters exactly so we got that and then we've got professor x in the chair Mm -hmm. in the chair and you have a head option of cerebro or no cerebro which one you choosing uh i don't know yet i'm probably going no cerebro but i don't know i yet. am interested to see how they have managed to pull off the magic trick of making uh the mostly non-combat character work in a combat based game <laughs> right Right. Well, so while Professor X is a non-combat character, his mental abilities are strong enough to mess with combat. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, we all saw Logan. He can, like, shut down a whole, whole casino. Yes. No, 100%. But it, it's, it's um, this is a game that one of its two fundamental mechanics is that attacks take actions. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the fundamental things in this, um, and it's how do I and, and like a character that thematically doesn't really interact with that form of combat. It's going to be really interesting to see how they pull that off, or if they compromise in some way to give him some attacks. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, I'm sure that he will have an attack profile. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Yeah. Even though, even, I mean, like, it wouldn't make sense because, like you said, it's an attack-based game, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. We got a long way to wait, I think, for Professor oh, yeah. X and the Shadow King because the way Schick made it sound is these are 2024 characters. Yes. So. Um, from, from going back and rewatching, and, and this is what I meant when I said I was a lot less hype on this when I first watched it than I am now because it sounds like all six of the X-Men are in that late 2023, early 2024 area, rather than being the next imminent thing uh, after, you know, a wave of X-Men. Yes, yes. And I, I'm really curious about this Ultron situation. Oh, yeah. Is he his own box? Is he coming with other stuff? Like, I, I need more info because Ultron is one of those characters that if you've listened to this show for a long time, now I haven't talked about him as much more recently, but if you listen for a long time, Ultron's one of those characters that I like 
and I've enjoyed that model on the tabletop over many times, and it's it's just one of those things where it's like he just needs that little bit of love. Like his current version is actually very good, but yeah. for for bringing in a new version of Ultron, one with Ultron drones, I'm super here for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I'm excited to see how this plays out. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, this is this was an exciting weekend. I think we can expect more of these as uh, AMG gets to more conventions. I agree. I, I think we're gonna get a lot of things coming and announced in 2023. I can't mm -hmm. wait to see it. And um, in terms of announcements, Lexa, I've got a bit of one for uh, the suits out there. Ooh. So. If you are a part of our Patreon program, so you can check that out, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. There's a link in the description of this podcast. Just click on it. And we're going to be doing a league for the Patreon's podcast. So if you be details will be posted in the Discord uh, this by this weekend. So we're going to be starting that up very soon. There's going to be some fun mechanics associated with that. And at the end of it, it's it's literally going to be a casual for fun league, but I might try to get some prizes together for some people and, and all of that stuff. I've just got some some stuff in the works, so we're going to be doing that starting up very soon. So make sure if you're interested or you've been waiting to jump in, now's the time you can come and jump in to the podcast and and be a part of of our league that we're going to be doing. And then also, uh, we're going to be having some dice made for House Party Protocol. So Baron of Dice, I met with him Ooh. at Adepticon, and we're going to get some customized HPP dice. But here's where I need some help from the suits. I need to know what kind of picture we should put on the dice. So I talked to Baron of Dice. He said he's already got an Iron Man face coming, and he's already got like an arc reactor coming. So what should House Party Protocol have as the image for the critical symbol on some custom dice? Because my logo is a bit too big. So we got to think of something. So you guys send me messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. You can send me messages on Discord. I'm at HPP underscore Will on most of the main Discord there. Uh, talk about it in, uh, in the Discord. If you're already a suit over there with us, you can chit-chat and... Let us know what you think about that. And then also, also, we're, we have updated our Discord recently, and it is still the coolest, chillest, realest place you'll ever go. And I love it very much, but we're going to add a bot to that. But we were having a discussion over the weekend of what the bot should be named, right? Like, there's Sauron in another Discord. There's... Uh, Dale in another Discord. There's a, a, any number of different bots out there. And I was thinking Jarvis, maybe, or Friday as, you know, AI systems that have helped Iron Man in the past. But I wanted the suits to tell me what they think we should name our Discord bot when we make it because I, I want to interact with you guys. So, yeah, that's some stuff. And then, look, I there are... A lot of things coming down the pipe for this podcast, for this brand, all of that stuff. There's going to be more merch coming out soon, so make sure to stay tuned 
right here for all of that good stuff. And then lastly, to the suits out there, the, the other thing I need to, to mention, well, I've got two things actually. First of all, I did a Star Wars Shatterpoint demo over the weekend. I really enjoyed it, all of that stuff. I've got to ask you guys the question. And here, I'm, I'm putting more interaction out there for you guys. Do you want a House Party Protocol branded Star Wars Shatterpoint discussion? I should say, like, is, is something around Star Wars Shatterpoint, from my perspective, something that you would be interested in as maybe kind of like how we do the special report, maybe every two weeks instead of every week or something like that? Y'all let me know if you want some content around Star Wars Shatterpoint because I'm not going anywhere with MCP. That's my baby. That's, that's, that's what my main focus is. But I will be playing Star Wars Shatterpoint. And if you guys want content around that, just let me know. Like I said, all the places to send me messages and uh, all of that stuff. Because I would, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk about it if, if there's a desire for that. And then lastly, finally, lastly, so many things. This episode is super long. So if you made it this far, awesome. Uh, we're going to do a giveaway. <laughs> so... The new Immortal Hulk and the new Modox Scientist Supreme. We're going to be doing a giveaway for that. We're going to run that giveaway for the entirety of April. So you can check that out. It'll basically be uh, when this podcast comes out, it'll be March 30th. So then we're going to have the cutoff for this giveaway will be April 25th. So get your entries in for that. And uh, Lexa, we got to give a secret code word to yeah. uh, finish up this podcast here. Yeah. I, uh, is it tippy toe? I was thinking reveals because we got a lot of them this weekend. We sure did. Or, okay, I got, it. what about hype? Yeah. You, you like can definitely hype? go with that. Yeah, I think hype is real because the hype is very real. So we'll go, we'll go with a secret code word of hype Send me a message, Facebook, Discord, emails, however you, you get it to me. Send me that message, and uh, we'll get this hype train rolling. And uh, yeah, Alexa, where can people find you? You can find me at the Morlocks podcast on all podcasting networks, where each week we take an underloved character and build a list specifically around them. Yes, it's a great time over there. I've been uh, on there a couple of times, and... Always fun, always good. I, I like the uh, creativity that you guys use over there to come up with stuff. It's it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Leave, leave a follow, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review if you have that opportunity, all of that good stuff. And, uh, yeah. With that, party on, Lexa. Party on, Will. And power down, suits. Suits.